Welcome to another episode of Free Basketballs, brought to you by the Lead Sports Media. My name is Ryan Meadows, and I will be joined by just one, Mr. Daniel Greer, tonight. How are you, sir? I'm good, man. I'm the one, and you're number one. You are the only one tonight. Cody took some free basketball PTO to go on vacation. Unpaid. Unpaid. Sorry, drop the P. So just some time <laughs> off. So he is on vacation and is unable to record with us tonight. So he will not be here. It'll just meet me and Daniel. So maybe we'll get through this episode rather quickly and it'll actually make sense. I don't know. <laughs> you tell me. No, I'm sorry. I'm joking, Cody. That was a direct shot at you and I apologize. Shot uh, fired. But we're going to talk about the Heat-Celtics game that we just saw. Game six tonight. The Heat advanced to the NBA Finals to play the Los Angeles Lakers and we will be talking about both of those series. We're not going to actually do a preview of the NBA Finals tonight. We are going to save that for a complete episode by itself which will probably drop the day of Game 1 of the NBA Finals which is this coming Wednesday so be looking out for this one. But we got some topics to talk about including these games and uh, a notable coaching hire. So We'll get these pretty through pretty quick so you don't have to take forever to listen to us and we hope you enjoy. Alright, Danny Wayne, let's do it. The Heat won game six tonight, 125 to 113 versus Celtics immediate thoughts that you had from this or did you watch it at all because football's back yeah i i watched minimal amount but <laughs> i did see the fourth quarter uh the, it, yeah it, it's sunday it's football uh plus it's my brother-in-law's birthday our typical sunday night at my father-in-law so it was more than usual but i did watch the fourth quarter and wait wait, wait. so wait are you telling me that you're a little intoxicated right now. Is that what you're trying to tell me? Never. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know there's birthday shots. That's It's a Sunday. No. Yeah, as soon as you night. said God. you went to the father-in-law's and a little more than normal, I just knew. I knew exactly what that meant. Yeah, it's yeah. So we always go there every Sunday night for dinner. Uh, that's our typical. But anytime there's a birthday, why not? Uh, <laughs> but yes, um, good times. But let, I'll get back on track. Is uh, I will not go far off like Cody. I mean, not Cody. Damn it, Cody. <laughs> Sorry. So we got to throw some shots at him since he's on vacation, uh, living the good life. But. No, the fourth quarter that I watched, uh, and I text you throughout uh, a little bit, and my first thought was that we're going to have to uh, do a whole nother deal when we go Tuesday because this game's going to – the Celtics were going to win. They were going to play in two days, and then we're going to do another recording then. And then I don't know what happened, but the Celtics just got their face caved in. And I don't know if it was too much BAM. I don't know if it was just too much veteran basketball team. Or I think they choked. And the reason I think they choked, 
is that they shot maybe five to seven three-pointers right in a row when they didn't have to. They were down five, maybe six, right right when they went on the run, the Heat did, and the Celtics went for three-pointer after three-pointer after three-pointer. And so I think they just kind of froze, and that's all they could put up is, is three-point shots. So they didn't they didn't step up to the competition. The Heat rose. And no matter how much I do not like these two teams in the NBA Finals, they both have proven that they that they should be there. That's exactly the points that I was going to hit on with what happened to the Celtics. I think Miami went on like a twenty-six to six run in the final, almost seven to eight minutes of that fourth quarter. It was just obscene, and it was because the Heat went back to that zone again. And the Celtics right. were killing it for most of the game. And then they stopped hitting shots. Yeah. And then when they stopped hitting shots, then someone else was like, oh, let me try it. I'm still go- I'm still hot. Then they started missing. And it was just like a snowball effect. I mean, to end the game, the Celtics shot 15 for 46 from three. Wow. They shot 12 for 15 from the free throw line. So... The the Heat stuck with their zone that had worked on the Celtics, that had gotten them this lead. The Celtics, we've seen all series, were comfortable with just taking those threes. Even though they're quote-unquote open, they were comfortable with taking those threes. And we talked about it in an episode or two ago. I said, maybe the Celtics aren't great jump shooters. Maybe they should try something else, like getting to the rim. Or maybe when you get to the heart of the zone, maybe you just shoot that little four-foot jumper. Maybe try to get some contact, go to the line. But no, they fell right back into their old habits from the beginning part of the series and just kept chucking up threes. Chucked up three after three after three. And you've got to give Miami credit. They stuck with that zone after they were getting killed by it by the Celtics. I think the Celtics built like an 8-12 to 12 point lead killing that zone. But the Heat stuck yeah. with it. They got some huge contributions, mostly from one Andre Iguodala. Mm. But Bam Adebayo mm. went absolutely crazy. 32 points, 14 rebounds, 5 assists, on 11 for 15 from the floor for 73% shooting. 10 for 11 from free throws. I mean... <laughs> I don't know what else to tell you. If you're going to let Bam out of bio just absolutely dominate you like that, then you deserve what you get, right? And right. if you're the Celtics, we but we all picked the Celtics to win this series because we believe the Celtics were a more talented, better team, right? Yes. If you're Brad Stevens, is this embarrassing to you or is this just like the press game, you know, the uh, – post-game presser were like well we fought hard just couldn't get it done blah 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 or are you secretly like we just shat the bed like what would your response be if you're a coach like if you were in that coach's meeting and you're brad stevens are you saying to coaches well we tried our best we gave our best effort or would you be like holy crap we just blew a great opportunity yeah i i would say they blew it honestly and just by looking at what happened in that fourth quarter that was just ridiculous, and I don't know what coaching you can do besides maybe call the timeout there and say, hey, listen, guys, we have to get it to the paint and run a couple plays. Uh, 
But we're talking about the Eastern Conference Finals game six. This isn't even game one. They've seen this zone. They've talked about it a million times. I can only imagine. So this is on the guys. And, and at this point, like you said, you have to say, we just shat the bed because God, how do you look at yourself in the mirror and say, we were up by, I think, four points, 104-100, and they end up getting beat uh, just outright that the last eight to ten minutes in that fourth quarter and just drummed, like just not even just pulled one out. They just got annihilated, and it was just, you know, like you said, the snowball effect of them shooting too many three-pointers. And so I, I think this is definitely something that they're going to, be haunted by coming up but if you look at how these two teams are built and you all you know I know we always go back to who your who are your vets I think you look here and say Kimball Walker okay then you have Jake Crowder Andre Godala on the heat I feel like these two teams down the stretch maybe played like that you saw an Andre Godala step up no matter how much I, I don't like him he stepped up and Kimba just could not get it together. And so having a vet like Kimba, it I think that hurt them a little bit because he didn't step up like a vet normally does. He just he just continued to struggle and I think that in the end not having that vet even though Gordon Hayward might be a little bit more of the vet, him not being there, I think that in the end that's what really hurt them is not having a vet on the floor to kind of help them on times like this. It is a good point because Immediately, I start thinking about, like, what are the Celtics going forward, right? Because we thought, oh, this is too fast, too soon for them, right? I mean, right. two years ago, when just uh, Jason Tatum's a rookie, they're in the Eastern Conference Finals. And then last year, you know, they had that whole Kyrie situation. They get bounced early. And then this year, they make it again. And I would say should have made the Finals. I think they yeah. were the better team overall. They were just outplayed and outcoached to me. But I think Kemba is a huge issue with this, right? Because he's just too small. I've said it before. He can't get a shot off. He's too reliant on the three. And in playoff basketball, which I don't, I think he's never been in, right? Yeah, I don't think he's so. He's not the, the kind of guy you need for a championship team going forward, at least in my eyes. I don't know if I'm being too harsh from just one series because I start thinking about like next year, they're in the Eastern conference finals this year. Do we think this kind of experience for Kimba is really going to propel him to the next step next year? When you've got Katie and Kyrie coming back, the bucks are definitely going to be trying to do something. You know, the heat will probably be back again. The Raptors, unless the Raptors just absolutely blow it up, you know they're going to be at least in contention. And the 76ers, of course, are the biggest wild card in the NBA that we have right now for what they're going to do. I just, I don't know if I feel good about this signing with Kemba if he's mm. going to be my second guy behind Jason Tatum. Because it just did not look like he was the kind of guy to deliver. It looked like Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum we're gonna are gonna be your two guys to deliver so i'm not sure what they do with kemba obviously they're just gonna run it back and be like look we made the eastern conference finals we're gonna run it back we're not right. gonna change anything maybe things are different if hayward's 100 percent not healthy but the guy's been injured for the past couple of years isn't 
I mean, he's just kind of the guy he is right now until we see that he can stay healthy and actually contribute at a high level. So I I don't know how to feel. I, I don't feel super optimistic about the Celtics, not saying that they're going to be bad next year. Obviously, they're going to be a good team, but it kind of feels like there's a playoff ceiling with this team, which mm. is odd because I would have thought this team would have beat the Heat and made the finals. Yeah. So we'll break down that later and talk more in depth, you know, with offseason stuff after we get the finals out of the way. But those were just kind of little thoughts, reactions I had in the moment, actually watching the Celtics not execute and give away a chance at a game seven to make an NBA finals berth because it was sitting there perfectly for them. But on- I agree. And they, ha- and they have everybody, almost everybody coming back next year on under contract. They have $140 million under contract for next year already. Right. And so, and so they're bringing much bringing everybody back. So this is one team that you know is going to run it back. And like you said, it, it, who knows what, what's going to happen, but um, that's enough about them. I know they kind of <laughs> didn't show up tonight, but we'd probably talk longer about them than we thought we wanted to, but still they, um, they didn't show up tonight. And that's, and that's, and that's kind of thing I feel bad about talking about the Celtics like, cause it was the heat, right? The heat did this. It was the heat did yep. this to them. The heat deserve every recognition possibly in the world for being a five seed and making the NBA finals and really just dominating series. Right. Like, right. I mean, the Celtics, this was their closest series, I would say. And they pretty much outright just dominated from beginning to finish. Sure. Maybe they got lucky in some of the first two games. You can say that about any series, really with the flip flopping, say it about the Nuggets Lakers series. We're going to talk about here in a second, but they won the games, and you got to give a lot of credit to six or seven guys. I mean, when they shortened their rotation, they all delivered, and this is why they're in the finals. They deserve all the recognition. Told you playoff Jimmy was a thing. Bam Adebayo, fantastic. Goran Dragic, Wiley Vet being revived, Tyler Harrow and Duncan Robinson, and, of course, the ultimate NBA X Factor there ever was, Jay Crowder. Remember the name? <laughs> But let's God. talk about Lakers Nuggets. Lakers, third series in a row where they win 4-1. They beat the Nuggets 117-107. How did you feel about that game? Because I know I have my thoughts. I I honestly, I was just sad. <laughs> because I was hoping the Nuggets had a chance just to kind of make this a series. But... Um, once again, we have to watch more LeBron. And I know that everybody's talking on Twitter about how we need to understand we're in greatness and all that. But my thoughts, I don't really like the dude. And so I hate seeing him in now with his 10th NBA Finals. I'm just over it. I'm over him. I know he's good. I know he's great. I know he's one of the top three best players of all times, uh, but he's definitely not my goat. So I'm I'm over it, just to be honest. But this series, it kind of let me down because I was hoping that they'd give him a little bit more of a fight. But Dwight Howard figured out he had a Superman suit in his closet and put it on for a few games, and <laughs> he'll he'll never be heard of again. Ugh. 
LeBron's takeover in the last like four minutes of that game just absolutely was, broke my heart. It was sick. And yeah. only because I had Nuggets plus five uh plus five and a half. And it was sitting right there for a while and I was feeling good. Hey, I'm gonna get this. We're gonna I'm gonna backdoor cover and then LeBron just scores like twelve straight points. And like screw you, dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but AD was a monster in this series, but he got the ankle injury. So, since the Celtics weren't able to push it to Game 7, do you think that's a little bit of an advantage for the Heat? Because AD doesn't have an extra, you know, two or three days to heal. Yeah, that that definitely is good. Um, I I don't know. I guess it's more of a high ankle sprain, more than anything. So... I think with that, it's it's always going to be there for the rest of this series for sure. So, yes, anytime you can give somebody not more time to heal, it's always good. So, yeah, I'll uh, I'll, I'll get the heat, the uh, benefit of the doubt, or the I guess the the plus in that the injury. So, well, you have to think they, about they, it because the Heat are a team predicated on movement, a lot of back cuts, back doors, Duncan Robinson running off screens. Hero running off screens. I mean, there's just a lot of movement. They like to give it to Bam in the middle and everybody work off him in movement. If AD right. is unable to move side to side and laterally at great speed like he's used to, isn't that a big advantage for the Heat? Yeah, it ha- it has to be. Because if, if Bam can take him off the dribble a little bit and kind of beat him up a little bit more, because he's having to play more of the five because they're kind of small, then that, yeah, that definitely could go, especially game five, six, seven, that could be very pivotal. Maybe the first few games, it's not as big of a deal, but game five, six, seven, if they can get get that far, uh, it definitely could be a big deal for sure. Now, you mentioned Dwight having those couple games where he was inserted, inserted in a starting lineup, and, I mean, Jokic looked shook to me. Now, I don't know if a lot of that was fatigue. Now, in the two games that Dwight Howard started, Jokic was in foul trouble all game. And Mm. so he... I, I am not sure if it's just Dwight being physical with him and he just didn't know how to respond. To me, I thought they just ran out of gas, right? Because, what, it's their... They played two, they come two from behind, series, yeah, two yeah. down, three, one series, have to give maximum effort. That's a crazy 14 games. And then you have a tough game one and game two where those are, game one obviously was not in doubt, but game two was a coin toss. That's an Anthony right. Davis miss three away from being an interesting series. Inevitably, I think the Lakers would have won it anyways, but... Do you think Jokic was just gassed? Yeah, I, I think because you have to understand, he's these guys didn't play for a while, and they come back and nice and easy, and then they have to give it all they got for a 3-1 series, and then you come out, and then you get in the same spot again, another 3-1 series. You have to give it all. You can't leave anything on the court, you know, because they're, they're wanting to continue to win. And when you match up against a, a team that has somebody like and like Dwight Howard who can be good defensively, he was the problem. 
realistically, he was the X factor in, in this in this series against Jokic, and so I I even kind of forgot about him when I was mentioning Bam. But you're talking about mini me, you know, Dwight Howard and, and Bam. They look like they're brothers from ten years apart, and I think Bam's gonna have some problems with Dwight in this series. Mm. And that if the more he can give. The more issues Dwight could give Bam in this series, that only benefits uh, AD. Gets him off of Bam, but also um, just kind of allows him to free flow and kind of play his his style of basketball. Now, talking about some Nuggets thoughts specifically, Jeremy Grant's about to get paid, right? Yeah, he has to. I mean, he picked up the bag that Bontrez Harrell fumbled. <laughs> True. <laughs> I mean... And what's weird about it is I would not say Jeremy Grant had a great season or a great playoffs, but he had a great last, what, two games against the team that's making the finals in the Western Conference Finals. I mean, we've seen this kind of thing before with guys in the playoffs who had a couple games. Bismack Biombo comes to mind. I mean, he had a one good playoff series, couple games, and he got a huge contract. This kind of feels like Jer- where Jeremy Grant's going. I don't know if it's fair to compare those two players. I know they play com- two completely different positions, but am I wrong in saying that people are overrating Jeremy Grant a little bit? Yeah, I I think he gets paid, but him getting paid anything more than $12 million this year would be probably the craziest thing I've ever heard of. And I know Biombo got paid as well, but this is an offseason where there's not a lot of money, so he could be getting paid, but I don't know what. And if he is, I think that would be very stupid for any franchise. Well, I've heard reports that that he thinks he can command now anywhere from, I believe, 16 to $19 million a year. <laughs> Wow. And the only team I could think of that actually has money, I believe, I should have double-checked this with their salary cap, that would be dumb enough to spend it for this, is the Atlanta Hawks. Yeah, they're the only ones with money. Because they kind of need this type of player, right, for what they're going to do? Like, they kind of like, oh, he can hit threes. He'll stand around. He'll, He'll do all the defense. He'll hide everything from Trey Young and everyone else. Yeah, let's do this. He would pair well with John Collins and uh, uh, the guy they got from the Rockets. From Houston. Yeah, I can't. Yeah. Capella, um, sorry. Uh, Capella. And that's the only team I could think of that would be like, hey, how about four years, $84 million? And mm. he's just like, uh, duh, bet. <laughs> right. And there's no way the Nuggets can – well, I guess they're – is potentially a way they could match it, but they would have to go into the tax because they've got Millsap coming off their books, which is thirty million, but there's already committed to almost a hundred and five million, I believe, in salary last time I checked. And without knowing the salary cap, like you said, there's just there's no wiggle room unless the NBA just doesn't let it dive like that. Unless they're like, look, we can't have this regression and then the salary cap shoot up real quick in a year or two like we did when KD signed with the Warriors. That's the only thing I could think of that would be able to keep the nug- like to keep Jeremy Grant with the Nuggets because if not, 
He's getting paid by somebody for what he did in these two mm. or three games. And I'm trying to tell the world right now, he's not worth it. He's not. Nope. Like, there's there's a no. lot of players out there that can do what he does. And I know it looks good because he hit a couple threes and had a 26-point game and had to guard LeBron and AD the whole time. But that's not worth that kind of money. It's just not. So, it, Is he going to play like that when he's not up for money? Like, that's the other thing you got to think of. Is he just balling out because he really needs a contract? That's a good point. And is he fortunate to be hot at the right time in the Western Conference right. Finals? I mean, it is just good timing because all eyes are on the Western Conference Finals and what the Lakers are going to do. And it looks like Jeremy Grant was going toe-to-toe with LeBron and AD. <laughs> but in Game 5, he shot 7 for 18. He was two for eight from three. He had 20 points. And he played 45 Mm. minutes. And he had 26 points a game before. Go look at his playoffs. You look at that and you're like, I'm going to pay this guy 16 to 18 million dollars a year to help my team. No, thanks. I'll draft someone and pay him half a million dollars a year to do the (laughs) same, to do the same thing. He's going to, that Jeremy Grant's going to do. So, I that was kind of the thing that stuck out to me that I was shocked. Well, maybe not super shocked by because this happens every year with role players like this. But the only team I could think of that would throw the house out for Jeremy Grant was the Atlanta Hawks. Yeah, I agree. And and they would be stupid enough to pay him. Now the question I have about the Denver Nuggets, everyone's saying after this series, obviously Murray was awesome all playoffs. And typically in the past, you know, I guess it was only last year when in the, their first playoff time where, you know, Ryan Rosillo called it this, the 30 and 13 guy. Like one night, if he has 30, makes sense. The next night, if he has 13, that also makes sense. But this playoff, he had a sustained run where he was just awesome, right? He basically willed, him and Jokic willed the Nuggets to come back in those series the biggest talk after their loss of the Lakers was that the Nuggets were the team of the future, quote-unquote. Hmm. Hmm. Do you agree? I think they have potential. Uh, Jokic is 25. Murray's 23. Murray hasn't got paid yet until now. Next year he starts his, uh, his big contract where he's making $29 million. And Jokic is going to be at 28, so they're right next to each other. So He's, they definitely, They're going to be there for the next three years at least together. At least, yeah. And the only like they have Will Barton on the books, Gary Harris, which they got to figure out a way to get off that. Um, I'm glad you brought up Jimmy Grant, Gary Harris. Yeah, yeah, and Jimmy Grant's leaving. He's got a player option of $9 million, but he's probably going to take much more than that. But they lose a $30 million contract, uh, Paul Millsap. But so, okay, I'm looking at the numbers it, now. They're already at 108 already, correct. and that's if Jeremy Grant picks up that option. Yeah, so they'll be at 100. Let's say they're 100. So I don't know who you're going to go out and get, but are you just going to re-sign Tory Craig if you lose Jeremy Grant? Like, obviously they're going to try to re-sign Monte Morris. Monte Morris is going to get a little pay grade increase, right? Well, no, he's on the books. Uh, well, what is that? Um, I think that's a team option is what he has, I think. Or yeah. it's not guaranteed or something like that. But they're going to fully guarantee Monte Morris. 
They right. have to. But They're going to lock him up for long term with something. But, yeah, I, agree. I mean, they have a little bit of money to wiggle with if they want to re-sign Jeremy Grant. But the big problem, like you said, is Gary Harris, right? They're paying that man almost $20 million next year right. and the year after. And he was, I, I mean, give him, I'm going to give him a slight break because he was injured. But he was horrendous in this series absolutely awful and he did not have a good playoffs even though when he came back in those first or halfway through that first round and in the second round he was a big pivotal piece to them on playing defense and when he hit threes he kind of flipped that series for them but in the lakers series he was just bad and he's 26 years old should be heading into his prime I mean, just two or three years ago, he was almost averaging like 17 to 20 points, I believe. And he steadily declined since, where I think he only averaged like 10 or 12 points this year. But once again, he's injured. This has been Mm. his history. He's just a guy that we wish could be good, but he's always injured. So I'm going to get to the point of why asking their team of the future here in a second, but... I think they're interesting because Jokic and Murray are young and it only logically makes sense. Last year, they're game seven away from playing the Warriors in the Western Conference Finals. This year, they won, came back from two, three, one series to play the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals. Could have won game two. Could have been a six-game series at least. But I still have my reservations about them. And... I just don't know what it is. I don't know if it's because of the bubble or it's such a fluke to come back from 3-1 twice in a row. I don't know. Is there something that is kind of weird to them about them to you? Yeah, I I feel like they're always around. Like last year, we were like, all right, well, they, they look good, but they're not a playoff team. And they showed they really weren't a playoff team. This year they kind of did the same thing, and they really won a playoff team, and then they won that. They came back from 3-1, and then they did it again. So realistically, if they don't do that, if they come back from 3-1 once, and then they lose the next series, we're talking like they're just an average playoff team again. You know, you're talking about a 4-7th, you know, finished up. And I think that's kind of the team they are. I don't know. I think they need one other player to kind of – give them a little bit of spunk than what they have. Cause Jokic is so slow moving, no matter how good he is, he's so slow moving. They need some, something else besides Murray just going off and being crazy good. And I think that's what they got was just Murray going off and being crazy good. And that's what helped them through this playoff series. But I don't know going forward if you can count on that, honestly, so I I would think if you know if it was me I would go after somebody that can kind of shoot. I if I was them I would try to see if you can get you know a Fred Van Vliet mm. maybe somebody that can you know space the floor, good pick and roll player. I know he's small, but I think that Murray being so good defensively as I feel like he is that I feel like you can kind of hide uh, Fred Van Vliet a little bit. It does kind of feel like they're a young version of Paul Millsap away, right? <laughs> right. Like I thought they kind of had that in Michael Porter Jr. 
And yep. Michael Malone just did not trust him on the defensive end. I mean, I think in game five, he played 17 minutes and had 10 points. But he elected to go with Monte Morris down the stretch because he couldn't play Gary Harris anymore because Gary Harris was terrible. But this is kind of issue I had. If I'm just going to clue people into my basketball history with fandom. I've all I was always a KD fan and the Oklahoma City Thunder were my team until KD betrayed at me and destroyed my fandom of NBA and I became uh, an NBA uh, wanderer for a little while. This is the problem yeah. I had with the Thunder is the coaching the coaches whoever they were every year would choose defense over offense. And to me, that's what Mike Malone did in this series. He decided to go with better quote-unquote defense. He played Torrey Craig, who was awful. And he played Monte Morris, who looks like he plays defense, but he's just too small, over Michael Porter Jr., who is notably bad on defense and can be a little bit of a black hole if you pass it to him on the perimeter. But he's the offensive wild card that you need in this series. Like, he's just that guy, just like with the Heat and Tyler Harrow. Like, Michael Porter Jr. was that guy, and he would not play him down the stretch because he did yeah. not trust him on defense. And I will never understand or side with a coach who does that because I watched it for six straight years with the Thunder. We lose in the playoffs because we keep playing freaking Andre Roberson <laughs> instead of a three-point shooter to spread the floor. So that's my only kind of issue with Mike Malone in this series. I think he screwed up because he – I think he even said a statement after a game like, look, if you can't play defense, maybe you shouldn't be on the floor. Last time I checked, you need to score points to win a basketball game. And right. I'm sorry, but you got to have the ability to score against a good defensive team by the Lakers. You're not going to out-defense the Lakers at their own game. Like, you just were not going to do it. So I thought it was dumb. I got a little sidetracked. Sorry. That was... <laughs> That was my soapbox. I could go more on that, and I probably will in the offseason. But I was talking about the team of the future because I wanted to ask you a question. Okay? Okay. Everyone was talking about Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray being now one of the best young, bright duos in the NBA. So just thinking about this, for me, I was like, okay – where would I rank these guys? And if off the top of your head, without even thinking about names or combos in the NBA, immediately if I said Jokic Murray, where would you think you'd have them ranked? I'd say in the top five. I, I don't, that's without even thinking. I'm glad you said Just, that because I had the same reaction. And then I actually started thinking about other combos. Let me give you some combos here. All right. Anthony Davis, LeBron. Yeah, you said young or just combos in general? Just combos. Just NBA combos. Okay. If they're going to be, like, obviously these are players that are current best players in the NBA, not necessarily young guys. Okay. okay. 
So would you if okay? Let me rephrase it then. If just in general, like I said, combos. Would you still think they would be top five? Hmm. Not no, not right top. I'd say maybe top eight. Okay. I'd have to go down a little bit just because. Just and like I said, I'm not even thinking about it. But um, I would say there's no way they're going to have that many guys that are uh, not. I don't know. I just feel like. Yes, they're they're good, but I think there's could be other players better than them. So let me give you a list here. Okay. A D LeBron. Okay. K D and Kyrie. Yeah. Giannis and Middleton. Okay. Curry and Clay. Steph Curry and Clay. Ooh, for sure. Kawhi and PG thirteen, Pandemic P. Wow. Damian Lillard, C.J. McCollum, ah, okay, jo- Joel Embiid, Ben Simmons, oh hell no, <laughs> Russell Westbrook, James Harden, Jason Tatum, and Kemba. Although you <laughs> might, although you might want to say Jalen Brown now. Yeah, I say not Kemba. Luca and Porzingis for sure. So I just listed ten combos. You think eight is still a good ranking for them? Yes. Who would, I would take? Who would you take him over? Um. Embiid Simmons would be one. For sure, Embiid Simmons. I love, I love, I love Luca and Porzingis, but I could see taking because Porzingis and uh, Jokic are pretty close to similar. And I'd almost pay Jokic over Porzingis. For one, Porzingis can't stay healthy, but two, I think that they can equal each other out. If not, Jokic be the better player, and mm-hmm. I think that Murray and Luca kind of make a run at each other. Interesting. Okay. So, uh, but w- you think Russ Westbrook and Harden are a better duo? Not yeah, yes, because they're both realistically MVP candidates on their own. Now together, they don't match up well. Mm. So if you had to say I want both of these guys on a full season, I would definitely take Jokic and Murray over them. Oh, that's spicy. <laughs> I'm glad we did this. I thought it would be a good surprise for you, but I wasn't sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I because, like them. Yeah, because it just after I started thinking about them, I think my one through five would be AD LeBron, KD Kyrie, Curry Clay, um, Giannis Middleton, Kawhi PG 13. And wow. yeah, I, that I think that would be my top five. PG man, I I don't know what this deal is, but he might have a regression coming up in his career. Mm. Sad, like like legit, like he might just not have it. <sighs> Pandemic P, thanks for giving us a great nickname. <laughs> it's the only good thing that coronavirus has done for us is given us Pandemic P. And he'll forever be known that for me. Correct. Uh, before we move on to the final thing about some coaching, a uh, coaching hire here. Anything about in memoriam for the Denver Nuggets run? I mean, it was an impressive run. Got to give them credit for that. I think they just ran out of gas at the end and had some questionable coaching decisions on lineups. 
But all props to Jokic and Murray for where they did. I think they showed their total playoff minutes, and Murray played over 700 minutes, I believe, and mm. Jokic God. was like 600, and the next guy was like 500. So wow. enjoy your break, gentlemen. You deserve it. And, um, yeah, I, I don't know what else to say for the Nuggets. Do you have anything? No, they like you said, they had a good run. I, I They impressed me throughout the whole season. I never would have said that they were a top four, top five team in the entire league. And after that little run they have, maybe this is the spurt they need to get over that hill of just being a regular season team. Mm. So hats off to them. Hey, Murray played his butt off. Jokic played okay. He was fine. Murray, this was his coming out party, and it showed why he signed that big contract. So he got the money, and then he went off, which it's tough to do, and a lot of players do not do that. So good for him. Yeah, that's a lot of respect for that. (laughs) Now, final thing. Billy Donovan, Mm. ex-Thunder coach, who is near and dear to my heart because I hate him, and – he be he was hired by the Chicago Bulls. They gave this man a four-year, twenty-four million dollar contract. Smart. <laughs> I don't even think I have to ask your opinion on this, Daniel. Four years, twenty-four million dollars for a coach who has lost in the first round the last four years and had the infamous 3-1 lead against the Warriors and choked it. Is this a good hire for the Chicago Bulls? So I'm looking on here, and I'm just scrolling through his uh, Wikipedia page. (laughs) And from my understanding... As a player, his career looks like it ended in 89, 1989. I don't see anything about him playing and losing to the Golden State Warriors. <laughs> I see that he was the head coach to a bunch of knuckleheads who couldn't figure it out. His coaching career, and let me make sure I just uh, have this completely straight. Because I am on uh, the wrong team. Here we go. 243 and 157. He was almost 100. Yeah, I said it. 100 wins better than than as a coach. Like, come on. Why are you dumping on this guy? He's going to make $6 million a year. That doesn't come out of a salary cap. That comes out of the owner's pocket saying, hey, I want somebody good to take these guys and make them winners. He is a good coach. He is. You're saying that now. I'm saying it when he was hired. The only thing I thought was the stupidest thing he ever did is when he went to Orlando Magic that one day or two days or three days when he was the head coach. That was the only dumb thing he's ever really done in the the NBA. So here's where I'm gonna push back. All right. How we're, much we're, of that? How are you wrong? How much of that is his coaching versus having the players? He came into a situation at OKC that was already set up. He had Kevin Durant, 
and Russell Westbrook. He had Steven Adams. He's had basically the entire same roster, his entire coaching stint. Except, obviously, after that one season, his first season with KD, 3-1 lead in the Western Conference Finals. Choke it. KD immediately leaves. I cannot do this. I have to go to a place that plays better, purer basketball. Wow. Does that not point to the coach at all? Or does that no. is that a combination of coach and Russell Westbrook? Because the next season, they lose in five games in the first round. Russell Westbrook has that incredible season where he's the triple-double MVP, I believe. The next season, where they get Paul George, Carmelo, they're, all right, here we go. We're going to do this. We're for real. Losing the first so, round again. How is that his fault? Like, I'm not saying that it's all on the players. I think it's a little bit of both, but how are you throwing this all on him? He literally had them lose, and I think it was a fluke. I Just like anything else, I think things happen, and maybe as a young NBA coach, he struggled with it. But that doesn't mean that he's not a good coach. The next year, they come back. KD's not happy, obviously. KD went and played in Golden State and had – it every year could have literally been the head guy of the league and they could have won championships for the next five years because they're all young, but he couldn't, he, he couldn't like it there in golden state either. So he had to go to Brooklyn with his buddy Kyrie and go get their buddy to go play and be the big man for their team. And so he can pick their coach and do all that other crap. So he's just not a happy person. Russell Westbrook, Nobody can win with that guy. That guy, <laughs> he's he literally cares more about fashion than basketball. When he's on the court, he just wants to play and score his points and get rebounds and assists. And but does that actually make you a winner? It will make you more of a winner than a loser. But when it times crunch time, that's not the style of basketball you need. As somebody that wants to just go get stats, but he, so maybe that's an issue all in itself. He. Here's what I'm saying. He has had the players. We've never seen him coach without the players. Florida. Okay. <laughs> he had the players in Florida. Not every about. year. Yeah, okay. But he he has had this, the players every year of his coaching career. And in this past year, I think this is why he gets a bump, right? Because last year after they got bumped again in the first round, there was talks of, why is Billy Donovan not fired? If there's a Thunder fan out there still that did not think Donovan should be fired, they're lying to themselves. They there were, aren't Thunder fans. They were, they were lying to themselves that they didn't want him fired. They wanted him gone. Three straight years of getting bounced in the first round. And then he gets Chris Paul to the team. Chris Paul is basically a player coach. Here's my point. Billy Donovan has not had any imprint or said anything to his league guys. The league guys carried the team for him. He has done nothing for them. He's supposed to be this quote-unquote developmental guy. We have never seen him do this. And I know he gets a bump because everyone thought OKC was going to be terrible, us included. And Chris Paul 
took SGA under his wing, who's also a good player, with Danilo, Danilo Gallinari, who's also a good player, with Steven Adams, who's also a good player, and they've won more than what everyone thought they would. But guess what? Hold on. They lost in you're, the first round again. You're talking to the out Houston of both Rockets. sides of your mouth. No, no, I'm not going to stand here for that. You just said he doesn't develop anybody. Then all of a sudden you said that Chris Paul was there and he's the veteran. He pretty much helped bring along uh, SGA. That's all so, you heard about in practices that Chris Paul had took an SGA under his wing. Why? So maybe they don't. Maybe they don't talk about Billy Donovan helping with Chris Paul and SGA, and then the other young guys, and maybe keeping. You know, maybe having the best season Gallinari's probably had in a while. Like maybe, just maybe, it was part of the head coach too. I think that you're giving him the shaft because you're not giving him any just due because it is hard to continue to make playoff runs, even though he did lose first round. You know, oftentimes. I don't always, I don't blame that at all on him. To for some blame, yes, but I think he's definitely a good coach, and I think you'll see them win a higher percentage games next year in Chicago. Not even knowing their uh, what they have, so we'll see. Good luck to him. Good luck to the Chicago <laughs> Bulls. I'm still bitter from 2015, 2016 season when. The Thunder were overall the most dominant offensive team and should have won an NBA Finals and choked a 3-1 lead. I, I'll never get over it because it also ended. It was also started the dark ages in my NBA fandom life. I'll never get over it. Is this where we play the crying music? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Final thing. <laughs> Sorry, I just had had to rant. This is a rant night for me. Um, final thing. There has been a lot of rumors going around the past day or two that Mike D'Antoni is going to become the head coach of the Philadelphia 76ers and is willing to trade pl- pieces and put Tobias Harris at the stretch four like he played in the Orlando Magic. Is there a worse pairing? in the NBA than Mike D'Antoni with the 76ers roster? With their current roster? Absolutely, yes. Now, if he wants to make some changes and is willing to maybe some somehow figure out a way to get off of some of these guys' contracts and kind of start over fresh, that that's the smartest thing they could do, honestly, because this team, as constructed, is not winning no matter what. Because they have too many, too many bad contracts on this team. Who so. is taking any of those bad contracts off their hand in this salary cap hell? I have no clue. That's what's curious to me is apparently Elton Brand's like, we're going to make moves. With who? With what yeah. money? Who in the well, world is going to be taking this on? I do not get it. What are you going to possibly get in return to make a system that fits Mike D'Antoni's specific style. Are you trading Ben Simmons? Are you trading Joel Embiid? Like, what do they have to offer besides a terrible contract to a team? They have to give up one of Simmons or Embiid, right? Yeah, I'd almost think that he gets rid of uh, Embiid. If Mm. you bring D'Antoni, I think you get rid of Embiid and let um, 
and let uh, Simmons be the ball handler. And if he wants to play fast pace, you get rid of Embiid, and you can bring back a lot to maybe hopefully uh, fill the fill the gaps. But also, you can you can get off some of these big contracts. You just got to throw in a lot of picks, um, and which is going to hurt you for the future. So. One's going to hurt you for the future no matter what, but you can get off some of these guys because they can stretch out a player. If it's a bad team, such as if Detroit wants to take on somebody, just for example, not they would, and just kind of write out their contract over the course of five years to get these extra picks to hopefully build them up a lot faster because that'll be part of their salary cap, but they won't need it. They, they need some gap fillers for their salary cap if they're able to uh, maybe get off Blake and bring in a lot of these contracts, and then I, there, there's ways to do it, but it's gonna kill. It's gonna kill Seventy um, Sixers either way. So there's something's got to shake. I don't know how they get out of it. They got to figure out something. So the whole reason I bring this up is because I have not worked out the numbers. I do not know how this would work, but I thought of the most hot take move of all time. And I want to bounce it off you real quick. I just thought right. of it. If you're trading Joel Embiid and you're the Boston Celtics and you just watched what transpired to you and how bad Kimball was and he's not the featured guard for you to win a final, does yes. do the seventy yes. six are the seventy sixers <laughs> enticed yes. with a Kimba, some picks, maybe um I don't know, one of the young guys, whatever it takes. For Joel Embiid entice you. Yes. In a heartbeat. In a heartbeat. Because that's their style of play. Like, they can play a little bit slower. And they can be very, very good defensively with Embiid as their kind of their big man. If the 76ers said, no, we got to have Jalen Brown in it too, would you still do it? Chewy. That's... So I would I would not want to give off Jalen Brown and Kimba, which I don't even think that's even possible, honestly. Uh, Jalen Brown's set to make twenty two million next year, and uh, Kimba's at thirty four already uh, for next year. Ah man, I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think I come off. I don't think I come off Jalen Brown because you're going to have to pay Tatum either way eventually. I agree. I think I think Jalen Brown's too much. I think that's when you hang up. I think you can give up Marcus Smart if you want to. Mm. Two, two years. So 76ers would trade Joel Embiid to the Celtics for Kemba Walker, Smart, and maybe a handful of their picks or something. Yeah. I'd say uh, – I wouldn't say two first-rounders. I'd say one first-round because that's – dude, you're getting back. The only problem is that's $47 million. I don't know what uh, the knucklehead uh, Embiid's making, but – yeah, forty-seven, man. Now we haven't know. we haven't even talked about the potential of them trading Ben Simmons instead of Embiid. <laughs> yeah, but I don't want to go into that because I feel like Ben Simmons fits what D'Antoni likes to do better. Now Embiid likes to play around the perimeter and might like that five-out thing, but the whole problem is it's Tobias Harris. Like, sorry. Uh, yeah. I if they do hire him, and this is all hypothetical, I think this is a huge bomb, and it's gonna do awful. 
and Elton Brand is going to be fired soon. I don't. I, I honestly don't know how he still is making the calling the shots there. I really don't. Uh, for the cap hell that he put them in, this roster that he constructed, and it just bombed out the past two years. Uh, but do you have any final thoughts on that before we close shop tonight? No, I don't. Uh, look at their contracts. They're not got off a of bad, but paying – Tobias Harris 30 plus until the 2023-2024 season where he would make 40 million a year that year is just crazy to me. Um I know Joel Embiid hasn't really got his huge contract. I know he's he's up for the next 3 more years, but they are so strapped for cash. I don't know what they do, but if they want to make a run at Dan Tony and just have a little fun and see what they can come up with, that's fine. The only problem is they have to make sure they have a buyer for somebody like a Al Horford or Tobias Harris's contract uh, because you can you can get off Embiid whether you change coaches or not. Like Embiid or Simmons, you can get it. You can get off them. They're both highly respected in this league, so they're okay with those two guys. But the other two and Harris and Horford, oh God, they're stuck unless they can figure out throwing some uh, some picks somewhere. So. <laughs> What, what a weird hot takey uh, night for us without Cody. Yeah. I don't know how yeah. I don't know how we got through it. Although my new favorite thing that I want to happen is Joel Embiid on the Celtics. Yes, <laughs> they would they would actually turn into championship material overnight. Anything to plug before we go? Nothing major this week. Uh, continue to follow me at Daniel Greer. Uh, once again, follow us at Free Basketball Three. Um, if you're on Apple hit the rate review button that's always makes me feel good at night but uh just continue to keep uh keep following us on twitter and continue to keep uh just kind of speaking up we want to continue to grow the fan base and kind of make this bigger uh and bigger but uh free basket i'm sorry the lead has helped us here at free basketball so we want to give our shout outs to the lead and helping us and helping us grow absolutely yeah, we're still proud to be a part of the platform. Um, so follow them at the lead SM. I am at RD Meadows 11. Follow us at Free Basketball 3. Like I said, we will be actually doing the finals preview probably, I don't know, Tuesday, Wednesday morning. I'm not sure when we'll drop it, but that will be a really good one. Hopefully, we'll have Cody back for it. Hope he enjoyed his PTO. But we're going to get him back. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed the conference finals. And on to the finals starting on Wednesday.